this morning I'll be sharing on what I titled Facing the Giants. And um, you know, last week we talked about entering the promised land. And one of the key um, things we spoke about is that for us to enter the promised land, one of the key is that we have to face and defeat the giants. Amen. And last week, we didn't have time to really drill down, you know, into this specific topic. We, we talked about four major things last week, right? We said that uh, one of, to enter the promised land, you must, the vision of the promised land must be solidified inside of your heart. And that becomes the propelling force. That becomes the force, the propelling force that pushes us towards actualizing the goal of God. And we said that when the vision of the promised land is solidified, we will not give respect to any opposition. Amen. The stronger the vision of the promised land, we said the more detached we will be from Egypt, that as Egypt is being eroded from our heart, the vision of the promised land is being solidified and then our focus, our gaze is shifting from the land of bondage into the land of freedom. Am I making sense? Does that sound like what we said last week? Amen. And then we said that for you to enter the promised land, you need faith and what? And patience. Faith and patience. And we used, um, remember we talked about Abraham. The scripture says that after God had made a promise to Abraham, he, had, he took hold of faith and patience to do what? To inherit the promise. And Romans 4 gave us a context of what he went through. The Bible said that he did not stagger at the promise of God. And he did not consider his own body that was literally dead and Sarah's body that was dead or Sarah's womb that was dead and had no life again. He said, but he did not stagger at God's promise, but he was full of faith, giving glory to God. Hallelujah. That was the content of Abraham's faith. And because faith was strong, patience is inevitable. Hallelujah. Because when you are convinced of something, you wait for it. Am I making sense? When you are really convinced of something, you do what? You wait for it. You know, and that is why as we wait for the culmination, as we wait for the fullness to come, Faith is essential. Faith is the critical ingredient for waiting on the Lord. For waiting on the Lord. Every time God brings us into a season of waiting, what is the principal component that we need? Faith. 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 Hallelujah. Because when faith is weak, when conviction is weak, then we'll be unstable. We will not be able to wait then our hope is blood. Hallelujah. So we need faith and patience to do what? To inherit the promise. And then the third thing we said was that, said we need to face the giants. Because in every promised land, there are what? There are giants. Say with every promised land, there are giants. Say to enter any promised land, you must pass through the wilderness. And we said last week that the wilderness is a place of process. It's not necessarily a place of suffering. It's the place of what? Of process. It's a place of training. It's a place of discipline. And because God is a meticulous God, he will not bring us into the promised land without taking us through the wilderness. God is not man. 
It is man that enthrones incompetence. God is not a corrupt God. <laughs> Amen. You know, there's a new admin now. Everybody's jostling for, and those who are qualified and those who are not qualified. People are using connections, using, you know, tribal. I saw, they said one politician cried last week because he wasn't sure he was going to get the post. And he said, it's not fair, it's not fair, it's not fair. And my zone is, 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 my zone is not being prioritized. We are being marginalized. It doesn't matter whether he qualifies or not. See, God doesn't do that. God doesn't enthrone incompetence. Am I making sense? And so, if you are still incompetent, as far as the will and purpose of God is concerned, he will not bring the crown yet. He will not bring the throne yet. That will make him an unjust God because that will, it will kill you. Amen. So, God will first of all take you through what? Process, training, transformation. Galatians 4, the heir, as long as the child does not differ from a what? A slave. Because someone with a slave mindset can't rule. Can't have authority. Can't declare justice. Can't be objective. That's why most people who have slave mentalities have victim mentality. Hallelujah. And that's why sometimes for you to bring healing doesn't necessarily mean that you must have been a victim. Because some people don't ever recover from their victim mentality. It's the reason why abuse, people who are abused end up with more abusive people. It's a strange thing of the carnal nature. Hallelujah. But God is not unjust. So he will do what? He will take you through transformation. That's the point most Christians are running away from. They want the favor of God. They want the favor. Ah, oh, God, out of 100 people, favor me. You already have the favor of God. Don't worry. But go and train. Favor is not exclusion from discipline. There's a lot of things we need to unlearn in church. We've been taught so wrongly. Favor of God is not what? It's not exclusion from what? From people, you see incompetent people, people who have zero skill, trusting God for favor in an area that requires skill. And they are fasting 21 days and rubbing anointing oil so that you can do what? You want favor of God to be anointed as a pilot. What's going to happen to you and everyone who joins your plane? The favor of God is not exclusion from training and discipline. Don't reject training and discipline. It's literally saving your life. Am I making sense? Am I making sense this morning? Amen. In fact, the favor of God is that you, have, you are now done. Come and take your place. That's the favor of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we said that one critical principal issue is that to enter the promised land, we must face the giants there and everything that constitutes opposition and we must defeat those things. That is only when we'll be able to do what? To enter the promised land. Deuteronomy chapter 1. I want to really move fast today. Amen. Deuteronomy 1, 6 to 8. The Lord our God spoke to us in Horeb, saying, You have dwelt long enough at this mountain. Now, I want us to pause a little and look at this verse. Very, give, give me the next verse. He said, Turn and do what? And take your journey and go to the what? To the mountains of the Amorites, to all the neighboring places 
in the plain, in the mountains, and in the lowlands, in the south, and on the seacoast, to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. Verse 8. See, I have what? I have. Can we read that together? See, I have what? Set the land. What is the key word here? What's the key word here? See, sight. I have set the land before you. After you have seen, what should you do? Go in and what? And possess the land which the Lord do what? Swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and give to them and their descendants after them. Now, I want us to pause here a little bit. We said that the wilderness is the place of trading, right? It's the place of transformation, right? Now, two key figures follow you into the wilderness. Say God and Satan. Bible said that when Jesus was fasting in the wilderness, who are the two people that visited him? Bible readers now. Who? Angels and what? Angels are emissaries of God, right? So two key figures follow you into the wilderness. Say angels and messengers of Satan. So in short, let's say God and Satan. They follow you. The fact that you are in the wilderness doesn't mean you are excluded from the influence of Satan. And it also doesn't mean you are excluded from the influence of God. It is a question of who you yield to. Hallelujah. You see, but the influence of Satan in the wilderness is very different from the influence of Satan in Egypt. The manifestation of Satan in Egypt is Pharaoh. Am I right? Am I right? His manifestation in the wilderness is a completely different one. And if you are not discerning, you will not know that you have partnered with Satan. And this verse summarizes it that when you are in the wilderness, if you are not careful, even though what brought you to the wilderness is supposed to be preparation and transformation to enter the promised land, you can very much lose the vision of the promised land in the wilderness. And then your existence in the wilderness becomes sustained. So you are in the wilderness and there is no end date to the wilderness. Have you met people who have been in the same class over and over again? The same class. After they try, 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 the school will recommend dismissal. I say, we recommend you that you don't have the capacity to move beyond this level. My Lord. And then they have to go and learn something. And if those kind of people are not careful, by being exited from that institution of learning, they have put a bar, a limiting bar on their destiny. That's why you see today how many, there are very, very few people who go through high school and go to university. There are very few. You meet probably very few people of those who didn't go to university who are among the middle and upper class. Very low percentage. It's not because they are probably not less intelligent. Am I making sense? It's because certain training, what we call the formal training, because there are some people who are not, may not be good in maths, but they are fantastic footballers. 
and in an economy where people op- eyes are open to such opportunities, those people will be multi-millionaires. I wish my dad was born in this generation because he was a great footballer in his time. But football wasn't lucrative like this. Maybe I wouldn't have been born in Nigeria. Amen. But because those opportunities are lacking, there is a limiting bar on the life of those people. Am I making sense? And then the things they begin to do, even their own quest, their own quest for success, their own identity becomes injured. Then they see anyone who is more successful as, than them as higher than them. They have a warped identity about themselves. You will see old men completely having lack of self-awareness and of value. Have you met people just by the fact that they are old and maybe they are drivers? You, there is an honor around them. Very few people, but they exist. Those are people did not allow the limiting issue, the economic limiting issue in their life to do what? To affect their mindset and their identity. But the larger majority of people are not like that. Because they were exited. Some of them, maybe they were not even exited. Some of them did not have the resources to remain in school. So they had to, they couldn't proceed. But there's a, there's a larger majority that they just didn't have the capacity to go forward. Having failed and failed and failed. They say what? You are, you are sorry you cannot continue in this institution of learning. That is sometimes, sometimes those things happen in the wilderness to us Christians. We are stuck there and because the vision of the promised land is not strengthened in our heart, what happens? Wilderness becomes a perpetual reality. That's why God was saying here, verse 6, he said, you have dwelt too long on this mountain. You have stayed too long in this position. There is no impetus for progress anymore. There is no conviction to press for the higher things anymore. The current reality has become, you know, solidified in our hearts such that to even hope for something different has, has become too much to think about and that was why God was frustrated with that generation he kept trying so hard to show them the vision of the promised land he kept trying so hard you know he was showing his mighty works he was displaying he showed raw power but Bible said that at every turn everything God did did not mix with faith in their heart so God was frustrated and God, being a just God, like I said, he can't bring an unprepared people into the promised land. God had to have patience for that generation to die off. Am I making sense this morning? He had to have patience for that generation to do what? So that another generation that had faith and belief can press into the promised land, can take it. He said, you have dwelt in this place long enough. Don't, because another tactic of Satan the primary tactic of Satan is that you don't, you don't ever leave Egypt. Because in Egypt, Satan is God. Amen. 
Say in Egypt, Satan is what? That's why Pharaoh regarded himself as God. So when Moses came to him and said, God has sent me to you to, so that you can say, who is this God? Because in Egypt, Pharaoh is the God. His voice, his word is God. He has the preeminence. And that is where Satan wants you to be. Perpetually under his rulership. Perpetually terrorized by him. And there are people who are like that. They are perpetually terrorized by Satan. Some of them even carry Bibles. But they are perpetually in a state of terror. Any small thing, they can sense Satan in anything. Let me give you a very good example. There was a day a couple, when I was very young, there was this couple that came to greet my parents and all that. And we loved them. We used to call them Uncle and Auntie and all that. And they spent some days with us. And when we were go, when they were going, when they were going, I didn't have anything. You know, I really liked them, you know, and I didn't have anything to give them. So I went to the back of the house. We had this big garden. And I plucked, you know, pepper and all these garden stuffs, and I packaged it. A small, I just wrapped in a small, uh, what's it called? Paper. And I presented to, to them. And then she opened it and I saw pepper. And then she looked at me and I looked at her and she was like, thank you. And she said, ah, thank you, thank you. But we cannot collect it. Ah. So later I went to her and I gave you that thing from my heart. That's all I have. I don't have anything. See, ah, you know, um, we also started talking and said that, you know, when, when you offer somebody pepper as a gift, what it means in the spirit is you are offering them tribulation. She used the word, I don't know whether tribulation qualifies the word. She used the word a ponju. You know what a ponju is? <laughs> yeah? It's tribulation, right? <laughs> so I was wondering, you know, and I, I left completely broken. Kind of like, so am I an agent of tribulation and as in that? When did Satan begin to use me that? I mean, I love these people to beat as in we used to play and all that. And I, so I, I just carried my paper, took it back to... You know? But imagine you be able to sense Satan inside an, an innocent gift of paper. And a lot of us were, are trained like that. We're trained like that. You are trained by fear. Your discipline is a discipline that is born of fear. Not of vision. A lot of us, and a lot of us are training our children like that. Fear. Those time I remember that, ah, when I was my children's age, I could go out, my parents could even send me to market and back. Now, if your child even goes out your door, you are already... Those are, I began to disabuse my mind. I deliberately that. No, I must not. There is a difference between being cautious and being fearful. Remember my wife and I, when we were still living in the previous place, when I started sending our oldest child to go out of the gate and buy 
so deliberately because she's never crossed the gate by herself before ever in fact the day i realized that something that we have we may have over i don't know what that's called over train when my kids then when they see car the car is still 10 miles away if you see the way they will scramble for meanwhile you will see small small girls and boys three years four years old in the morning walking by the roadside confidently going to school and cars are passing training put that child and my kids in the same situation my kids will respond badly because they've been overprotected am i making sense you must be careful not to train people out of fear so when i noticed that thing my wife and i will now started pushing them out more so that they can gain confidence as in the car is still far away, the end of the street, they are already looking for where escape routes. I mean, those are even the simpler things. Some of us, we are trained and brought up with fear, strong fear. Strong fear. Those fear are packaged in tribal and ethnic perspectives and mindsets. Strong fear. Perpetually living in Egypt terrorized terrorized everything is born out of fear if somebody call you 8 p.m mind some of you now your dad calls you 8 p.m the first thing your heart goes to ah seko, seko. i hope everything is fine constantly terrorized constantly terrorized if you wake up 2 a.m and one bed is doing meow meow on the back of your window ah it's another issue or if bats mistakenly fly inside your room, nobody in your street will sleep that night. Constantly terrorized. Satan wants you to be in that place where he is the looming figure of fear over your life. And it doesn't matter if you are sleeping in church and doing vigil every day. What is the purpose of that commitment to God when it can't translate to confidence and conviction? fear so that is the first agenda of satan remain in egypt the land of bondage the land of terrorism the land of fear and if by any reason god through his mighty hand can break you out of egypt then his next agenda for you is to remain in the wilderness forever and die in the wilderness that promised land does never want you to enter it and his tactic in the wilderness is to use to lie to you so that he becomes your ally and God becomes your enemy. Hallelujah. Am I making sense this morning? That is the word, that's the tactic of Satan in the wilderness. And how does he do that? He tries so hard so that you never believe everything God has spoken to you. If there are any areas in your life where you're struggling to believe God, that is the work of Satan. God has spoken this to you. God has spoken that to you. But every time you look at yourself, there is no conviction. Somebody is working on your heart. Somebody is tinkering with something that he should not be tinkering with. Somebody is trying to make you die in the wilderness. Because the thing that keeps you in the wilderness is unbelief. A lack of cooperation with God. The devil rarely comes as Pharaoh in the wilderness. No, 
He comes as the serpent. The deceitful being. And tries to lie to you. And that's why you saw throughout the life of the children of Israel in the wilderness. It was, they were constantly fighting God. Constantly fighting God. If they are hungry, it, every issue becomes an issue of contention. Every issue becomes an issue of what? Contention. The issue that should birth prayer is birthing disbelief and anger and frustration. When they are hungry, is it why, 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 is why, why have they brought us here? Is it that there are no, you know, where we miss, we miss the cucumbers and the melons of Egypt. Even though we were dying out of slavery, at least we could eat. Issue that you become an issue of faith becomes always an issue of contention, anger, and frustration. Oh, now they have brought us to the wilderness to come and die. Our soul is so testy. They pushed Moses so much that even he himself disobeyed God. And now they didn't partake of his suffering. God saved the soul of pastors. The congregation can make you misbehave. <laughs> Amen. The Bible said, after God even gave them manna, he said, this thing, this thing, our soul is weary of it. Weary of it. How can you be seeing miracles every day, yet you are in contention? It's the deceit of Satan. Some of you, you have miracles in your life. But because you are looking over your shoulder to what is in somebody else's compound, you are putting pressure on God. Something that you should be excited. The supernatural is literally happening in your life. But pressure will not let you see it. They did not sow. They did not reap. All they had to do was to sleep and wake up. And then manna has fallen. The saints of say, God, this whitish thing. We don't even know what it is. What is it, sir? We've been eating it all this while. Our tongue has lost taste. Say, give us meat. Moses was so frustrated. He went to God. He said, God, okay, God don't worry. I will give them meat. Moses going back to him and say, God, we give you meat. But you see that meat, eh? He will deal with you after it. And Bible said, God caused the east wind to blow. The same thing could have been gone through with a different man, in a different manner. Am I making sense? You see, but it is the manner in which they went through it that offended God. And that's what God, God will let you use legitimate issue. A legitimate, for which God even has a provision for. But Satan will provoke you to go about it in the wrong manner. And you will end up in offense. Be careful of Satan in the wilderness. Jesus said, didn't Jesus say, he said, he said your heavenly father knows you have need of these things. Is that not those things that people are today offended in God about? The same thing that God said, I know you need them. And I've made provision for them. Just seek first the kingdom. But some people today are cursing God and say, God, see how dear you've brought your name to shame over my life. See my mate, see this, see that. Legitimate issue, but wrong attitude. Because they've connived, they've listened to the lying spirit. 
and now they are in offense. Hallelujah. Says you have stayed too long on this mountain. And whenever there is a delay in process, what God needs to bring to you, what you need is a new sense of vision. Some of us, we need to see the kingdom again so that passion can come alive. So that hope can do what? Can come alive. Some of you, the one you saw before, it is still. Life has passed over it. Your resolve has been weakened. You need God to bring new lights. You need God to heal your resolve. You have seen the glory of this world. And then the glory of the kingdom is not doing bye-bye. You know when you're doing bye-bye? When your eyes are seen like you are seen trees. Because you have seen another glory. And you've, you've been lied to that glory is the, is the real glory. So now you are looking at the kingdom and you are just seeing bleak. It's just, everything just bleak. And then your motivation is dropping. God needs to heal you. You've been lied to. You've been lied to. Hallelujah. Let me shock you. Some people's wilderness. See, some people's wilderness is the palace. Did you hear what I said? Some people's wilderness is what? It's the palace. It's a place of temptation. Bible said that Jesus, Satan took Jesus to a high mountain and did what to him? The riches and the glories of the world. Ah! Satan to Paris. Everything is set. And then show Jesus. I said, if you bow to me, say, I will do what? He said, I will give you all these riches. And then Jesus looked at him. He said, Satan, you've made a mistake. I have seen a, a greater glory. You see, for some of us, we are not yet like Jesus. When you see, you say, Shanda! Ha! My God is good. Oh, oh yes. We just first of all dance before Satan. Satan will be drumming for you. Say, just compromise a little. Just a little compromise. And all this. And imagine what you'll be in four years' time, in eight years' time, in 16 years' time. You probably become president. Say, just a little compromise. A little change. Just, just change the value system a little. You two, you'll be nothing like this. You'll be showing you vision of what you become. You say, ah, that guy, very fantastic guy. Very fun. He has money. You know, it's easy to serve God when you have money. You too, you'll be nothing on the head. So you can just take a vacation, just go and do one month in Vienna. And you are just praying in tongues six hours every day. Just, you two, you'll be nothing. Ah, that's true. Just marry the guy. Say this, you, you will bring your godly idea into his money and you will purge and you will, you know, you will purify it. You will say, ah, deep, 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 deep. Amen. Be careful of Satan. Be careful of Satan. Be careful. Because what he wants is to ambush the dream God has put in your heart. It's the ambush. And he uses, and I've said it here, I said, if Satan knows that more money would steal the glory of eternal life from you, he will give you all the money in the world. He will give you all the money in the world if only it will take 
that glory from me. Just the way he offered it to Jesus. He said, take the glory of this world and bow to me. Swear allegiance to me. Abandon the purpose that brought you to earth. And let me give you a new purpose. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, God wants us. Go back to that um, Deuteronomy for me. So, God wants us to see a new vision. And that's why we pray constantly that the eyes of our understanding be what? Be enlightened. We want the eyes of our understanding to be what? To be enlightened. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <coughs> verse 20, very quickly. Let's go to verse 20. I spent so much time doing introduction. Amen. Verse 20. See, and I said to you, you have come to the mountains of the Amorites, which the Lord our God is giving us. Look, the Lord your God has set the land before you. Go up and possess it as the Lord God of your fathers has spoken to you. Do not what? Fear or be discouraged. Verse 22. See, and every one of you came near to me and said, let us send men before us and let them search out the land for us and bring back word to us of the way by which we should go up and of the cities into which we shall come. Now, the purpose for sending spies ahead is so that they can map out the strategy of invasion. Is that clear? Can you see that from this verse? Go back to verse 22. He said, let them search out the land for us and bring back word for us of the what? The way by which we should what? Go up. So, when they were planning to send spies, the purpose, the objective was to map out the strategy of what? Of invasion. Am I making sense? And of the cities into which we shall come. Let's look at the destination. How it looks like. What's the topography? What's the geography? What's the this? What's that? Verse 23. You see, the plan pleased me well. So I took 12 of your men, one man from each other. So this was Moses speaking. Verse 25, and they departed and went up into the mountains and came to the valley of Eskol and spied it out. Verse 25, they also took some of the fruit of the land in their hands and brought it down to us. And they brought back what was saying, it is a good land which the Lord our God is what? Is giving us. So nevertheless, you would not go up, but what? Rebelled against the command of your Lord of the Lord your God, verse 27, and you complained in your tents and said, what did they say? Because the Lord hates us. An issue arose and because they have been listening to Satan, it became an issue of contention. What I've just been saying, right? It was an opportunity to have faith, but it was an opportunity also to enter offense and they chose offense. See, he said, because the Lord, how can you say because? So the Lord hated you. That's why he destroyed Pharaoh. The Lord hated you. That's why he parted the Red Sea. The Lord hated you. That's why he brought, you know, manna. The Lord hated you. That's why you had the pillar of fire by night and the pillar of cloud by day. Really? Hatred? He said, because the Lord hates us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the world, to the land of the Amorites. You know, we say this a lot of times, sometimes too. God is not helping us. How do we do that? Some of us don't remember the previous deliverance of God. We don't remember the last time God moved supernaturally on your behalf. Once you are faced with a new challenge, the same fear that used to terrorize you comes back again and you completely lose hope. 
you don't have confidence that God who did that, the one he did yesterday, will, be, will handle this one too. We are back in fear. We are back to worry. We are back to instability. We are back to lack of conviction. You are doing the same thing. God took you out of something. Do you think he's not able to deliver you to the promised land? Am I making sense this morning? Hallelujah. He said, and to destroy us, verse 28, he said, where can we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying, the people are greater and taller than we. The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. See, exaggeration. <laughs> that is how Satan works. He magnifies the opposition. He magnifies the issues. They are so big, such an imposing figure of intimidation to ensure that any hope, any hope, any tiny hope of faith you have in God is wiped out. He said, moreover, we have seen the sons of Anakim there. Then I said to you, do not be terrified or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you, he will fight for you according to all he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. You see, and in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a man carried his son in all the way that you went until you came to this place, verse 32. He say, yet for all that you did not believe the Lord your God. Who went in the way before you to search out a place for you to pitch your tents to show you the way you should go in the fire by night and in the cloud by day this was Moses lamenting and this is the reason why this generation perished in the wilderness may we not perish in our wilderness in Jesus name hallelujah we can write down Numbers 13. It's the same account, you know. But it gives it a more, it gives it, you know, it shows the more detail. Because in Numbers 13, Caleb said that. He said, let us go and take the land at once. God has given it to us. The other 10 said, it's like something is wrong with you. They saw the fruit of the land. They saw the potential. They saw it, but they were not convinced they could take it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the only reason was because there were giants in those land. He said, those cities are fortified. He said, moreover, we saw the sons of Anakim there. The sons of Anakim were the giants in those days. Huge. If, I, if you read Numbers, give me Numbers. Let's read verse 33. Numbers 12. Numbers 13, 33. Numbers 13, 33. There's a key word. 33. Give me 32. <coughs> so that we can read it in context. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report in the land, which they are spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. Look at that. <laughs> Do you understand? And there's some people there. So even, by, even if by mistake you make it there, the land will devour you. Can, can you imagine? Where did those... Where does those thinking and imagination come from? Did they actually see the land devouring people like this in real time? Or did they imagine it? Amen. He said, the land through which we have gone as spies, the land that devours inhabitants, 
and all the people whom we saw in it are what? Men of great stature. Verse 33. He said, there, there we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers. Number one, where? In our own sight. Do you get what I was saying here? He said, we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. How did they know? I mean, it's okay to say, as far as we are concerned, though, we are like grasshoppers in our own sight. Then they went on to say, he said, and we were like grasshoppers in their own. Did you enter them to see how they... You know, that's how imaginations form perspectives and positions. Strong opinions. Somebody that is not seeing you at all, he said, if you see the way he was looking at me yesterday, I just knew that he has heard about me. He has said something about me. And you can go on for two years. You won't greet each other. The person is not even thinking about The person doesn't even know you exist. Imaginations. He said, we were in our own eyes, grasshoppers. Even in their own eyes, we were like grasshoppers. And they said it very confidently. Strongly held opinions. This is what happens when you are fed on the table of lies. When you fed on the what? At the table of lies. Hallelujah. And we're going to see that. So what are giants? If you have to face the giants, it's important to know the giants. Amen. I said that giants are oppositions, distractions, strongholds, infirmities, identity issues, carnal inclinations, sins of the earth, and everything that contends with the knowledge of God. Give me Second Corinthians chapter 10. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. 10 Corinthians 10, 3. He said, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. He said, for the weapon of our warfare are not what? I can't hear you. But are what? Mighty in God. For what? For pulling down what? Strongholds. Verse 4. Verse 5, rather. He said, casting down arguments and every high thing that does what? That exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Verse 6. You say, and be ready to do what? Punish all disobedience when your obedience is what? Is fulfilled. So the principal giant in our life is what the scripture calls strongholds. Somebody say strongholds. So strongholds are principal oppositions. You can't, you, and you can't escape them if they're in your life. You can't. You know, how many of you watch action film? Stronghold is that last guy. Usually, if you, if you grew up where I grew up, you say actor and boss. I don't know, you know, growing up, you realize that those, they are not words that are opposite. I don't know why we thought they are words that are opposite. It took me a long time before I realized that actor and boss, they are not... The, the, it should be actor and villain. Growing up, actor is the positive guy. Boss is the, the, the... And if you are not careful, you will write that in your exam. In your Cambridge exam. 
because it just stays with you. Amen. It was later when you grow up, you realize, okay, the, the bow is supposed to be the villain, right? While the actor is supposed to be the hero. You know. But actor and bows. So, so you see the guy. The boss is the final guy you have to defeat before you can claim victory. As long as you are defeating all these boys, you know, and the, the boss always have plenty useless who just shoot them once they have died. They can shoot you 100 bullets. You will not die. Yo. I don't know how they do it. But let's just assume it's true, you know. But if you shoot once at them, three of them can die at once. They are, they are that useless. But as long as you are killing all those ones, you have not claimed victory. Am I right? Until you have actually decimated the actual boss himself. And then usually that fight is usually a very epic one. If you have been using gun, when you get to the boss, suddenly gun will now finish. The bullet will now finish. You now say, taka, taka. He too will say, taka, taka. You know, eyes, you now look at eyes. You now throw those guns. You now, tan, tan. You now do like this. It's always some sort of an epic stuff. Everybody's waiting for that. Amen. And then it's like you are also on the actor's side. You hit him, beat him, kill him. Hit him. Oh, yeah. You are just. And then finally, when he dies, everybody's so happy. Why victory has what? Victory has been achieved. See that boss, boss, right? That boss is stronghold. Until you take him out, you have not gotten victory. It doesn't matter whether you have spent two years killing all his boys. He can easily reproduce those boys. Am I making sense? And those strongholds, they are the principal opposition to entering the promised land. And that's why when God was reinforcing you, the Bible said the weapon of our what? Our warfare. What's that weapon? What's that weapon of our warfare? The word of the Lord. Somebody say the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord is our weapon. That's the weapon of our warfare. The word of the Lord. Ephesians 6. Put on therefore the word, the whole armor of God, that you'll be able to do what? Stand against what? The wiles of the enemy. Say for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities and powers. Against the what? Rulers of darkness of this age against what? Spiritual hosts of wickedness in what? Some people have some very strange interpretations of these things, but I think we've dealt with it before. Amen. I don't have time to go into that today. You know, maybe we'll touch this place next week. Hallelujah. So, the weapon of your welfare, the Bible said that they are craftily created and specialized in taking out that principal guy. So, as you are now, as a child of God, you have the principal weapon to take out what constitutes the grievous opposition in your life. That solution you are looking for is not external to you. It's available to you to use. The weapon of our welfare are not carnal, but they are what? They are mighty to God. To what? To pulling down strongholds. So if you have the weapon, the next thing you need is to identify what the strongholds are. Because you can have the weapon and assume the stronghold is your friend. You know, imagine that the actor assumes that the boss, boss is 
his own supporting actor. I don't know how to, how to assistant actor. I, do you understand what I'm saying? Imagine that the person you are supposed to take out, you now think the person is on your side. You know, your, all your weapon will be on you, but you will not be able to use it. Am I making sense? That is the, another principal characteristic of a stronghold. It doesn't come, sometimes it doesn't impose itself as the obvious enemy. It is there in your life as if it is your friend. How many of us have dealt with self-pity before? You've dealt with self-pity. You'll be wallowing in self-pity. In, you, you, everybody hates me. Oh, these people hate me. You'll be lying to yourself. You are the only one who is right. Every other person, you will completely ignore the issue that somebody, that they confronted you with. The issue you need to deal with. You will talk. Some people have self-pity so much. They will imagine themselves. They will imagine, you know, imagine people have so bad self-pity that they imagine themselves in a position of money. People are now begging them. You've not met people like that before. Why are you looking at me strangely? It's real. Husband, if you see wives who, are, who have the stronghold of self-pity, they will imagine themselves as widows. And then in their heart, they will now play FIMO series, season one, season two. How people are coming around and, and crying and, you know, and then there will now be one man that now likes them who came to be, you know, to, to mourn and all that. And then from mourning, something will now happen. They will now become friends and the person will now take her out. Self-pity is deadly. Terrible. In the, in the film, that is directed by self-pity. Even Jesus Christ is evil. You are the only one that is clean. It completely blinds you to the real issues. Self-pity. Hallelujah. A stronghold can, you know, transform itself and you will think it is on your side. Your emotions is vested in it. Your reason is vested in it. Your thought pattern, your subconscious is vested in it. And that is why it's so difficult to take out. Why? Because it literally feels like you are the one that wants to die. Because there is such a union. Am I making sense this morning? Hallelujah. You know, I checked the Greek word for stronghold and it means ochroma, meaning anything that is firmly formed within, within us in which we place confidence and identity. A firmly formed belief system that is the source of what? Confidence or what? Or identity. That's what a stronghold is. And that thing that has a strong influence over us, very strong influence, a stronghold is a fortress. When you have a negative stronghold, it is a what? It is a fortress. A fortress. It is that final thing that to take it out, the enemy will throw all things at you to distract you. In fact, the purpose of the minions, you know the minions that I talked about? All those small, small ones that you can take out with one bullet. The purpose of those things is to distract you from the main thing. 
or to delay you from attacking the main fortress as long as possible. And you know, some of us, we, we, we rejoice in those little, little victories that we don't press to take out the strongholds. Hallelujah. Is the reason why some people have tabernacled today in the outer courts. You know outer court Christianity? I'm receiving the blessing of God. That is enough for me. The reason for worshipping God is so that what he can give to me. When you say repent, no, they say don't bring that one. When you say deal with bitterness, say no, don't touch that. When you say deal with anger, you say no, don't touch that. Let's just stay. I don't like this church. Their message is always hard. So let's go to these ones where there is, you are always receiving blessing and favor and God doesn't care how you live. And then they stay there. They are okay with little, little victories. But the principal issue, the destiny sabotaging issue is living large inside their heart, untouched, unconfronted. Am I making sense this morning? I'm, I'm trusting God to break this thing down for us. And so we stay at the level of little, little victories. We are not confronting the main issue. And that's why you see so many brands of Christianity today. There is business Christianity. Amen. Born out of the economic situation that we are. Am I making sense? And it seems as if People go to those places, they have testimony, don't they? He says, since I've been coming to this church, God has just opened business opportunities for me. In fact, other people now go to those churches so that they can get connections. And at the surface, there is nothing wrong with that. Am I making sense? But at the cost of what? What is the opportunity cost? Because a church is meant to be a place where your destiny is shaped for the will of God. Not where you get equipped for temporary and earthly success. What is the purpose of you coming to church and business is booming, but you are becoming sons and daughters of hell? Of what use is your prosperity? That's not even prosperity before God. That is materialism. I would say, what shall it profit a man? If he does what? Gains the whole world and do what? and lose his soul. But now we have churches who are teaching people how to gain a small percentage of the world and lose their soul. Am I making sense this morning? Be careful of little, little victories that blindsides you to the main issues. Don't go to places where you are comfortable in your infirmities. Those people don't like you. Don't have friends who can't confront you. No matter, even though you don't like it. Some, some, some people's friends, they know. I say, ah, don't touch Adele. Ah, don't go there. Don't have that issue with Adele. Just avoid it. As long as you avoid it. There are marriage counselors today who teach that you should avoid issues, confronting issues with your spouse. You say, ah, your husband is the head though. Whatever he says, you do. What, why are you a wife if you can't confront your husband? It's the manner of confrontation that we should talk about. Am I making sense? But not just, there should never be issues or areas that is a no-go area in your marriage. Never. 
there shouldn't be issues that you can't talk about. Hallelujah. You should be able to look your husband in the face and say, like my wife say, oh God, they, <laughs> this thing I've been seeing inside, you've been doing this thing. You should be able to confront. Hallelujah. How did Proverbs put it? He said that a, an open rebuke is what? It's better than what? Secret love. Don't stay with people who can't confront you. People will praise you and ignore your issues. I always, I always want to be, I'm, I try to be friendly with people, but the day I'm friendly with you and I can't confront issues in your life, just know that yeah, we can't be friends. We will just drift away. No. I, if I'm in a position, even me, I would not want to get into a position in your life where I can't tell you the truth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are we getting blessed? Be careful of little, little victories that blindsides you to the main issues of your life. A stronghold is something that can afford to distract you with other issues as long as this issue is not touched. <laughs> so you see people coming to church. They are strongly held opinions about marriage that is not according to God's will. They are holding on to it. You, you, sometimes you see Christians saying, ah, I can't marry Jebu. Ah, no, no, no. Where is that coming from? Those are things that God wants to erode that of your life. That the very man is in Christ is a new creation. All things have passed away. See, I can't marry a bald man. Is that what you want to eat? Is that what we give you peace? See, I, I can't marry a man without biceps. You, you should not marry. These are strongly held opinions. And those are even on the lighter note. Am I making sense? Sometimes we look at people, we see quality treasure and then we are so detached because of a packaging say ah that brother is too fair i, I don't like fair guys they, they, they give the vibe of uh, you know vibe of what see i don't just know i don't stronghold is the one that is troubling your life strongholds hallelujah let me just quickly define it for us and then we'll continue next week amen I said a stronghold is a fortress, a place of advantage, either for the enemy or for God. You know, God can be your stronghold too. But that is where we are going. Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and what? Strength. A very present help in trouble. He said, therefore, we will not be what? We will not be afraid. Even though the world is what? What does it say? He said, therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth is removed and though the mountains be carried away in the midst of the sea. The only reason why you will not respond in fear to this kind of gravity issues is because you are in a place where that thing is not touching you. That's the only reason. If you are on the, if you are on the floor and the floor shifted under you, I beg you, fear. <laughs> but if you are in a fortress that cannot be touched... Even if everyone is crashing down, you will not be moved. God wants to be our fortress. 
Hallelujah. He said, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall do what? Shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Say, I will say of the Lord, You are my refuge and my fortress. My God, He knew my reward. I will trust. He said, Surely, surely, He shall what? Shall deliver me. That deliverance comes when God becomes your refuge and your what? And your fortress. Psalm 27, he said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Say, whom shall I fear? He said, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? God wants to be our ultimate place of advantage. That's the old purpose of the wilderness. Am I making sense? So that you see God as your what? As your advantage. So that you see God as your fortress. And when that happens, then you are undefeatable. You can't be distracted. If you are in that place, you have set your eyes like a flint. You can never be ashamed. You can never fail. When that work of God happens in your life, that he becomes your fortress. He becomes the stronghold of your life. You are made. You are made. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give me 2 Samuel chapter 5. Or should we just write it down? 2 hmm. Samuel chapter 5 verse 6 to 10 very quickly. I said that the, the stronghold is very difficult to... It's, it's, it's a fortress, you know. It's, it's, it's high walls, very difficult to... I don't think we should read this. You know, it, was, it tells a story of how... Um, how when David began to... You know, became king and started conquering all the nations... One of the difficult places for him to take is Jerusalem. You know, because the Jebusites dwelt there and they had the fortress. In fact, after David took that city, he now called it Zion. And that's why it's called the city of David. You know, but it was the difficult... And David had to say that whoever is able to take these people will become the chief and the captain of my army. That was such a difficult... It's an elevated space. Imagine you wanted to attack an elevated fortress. All they have to do is just to roll stones at you. Because <laughs> you are moving against gravity. They have gravity advantage. So it was a difficult force for us to break through. And David had to put a major promise behind it. And then Joab stood up and took it. And then Joab became... That was how Joab became the captain of David's army. Hallelujah. It's a very difficult thing to progress. Now I broke down, you know... What a fortress is into four things. Number one, I said a strongly held belief system. Either it is traditional, physical, psychological. It is what constitutes the way of life. People's way of life. It's what constitutes people's culture and traditions. Their inclinations. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Second Timothy chapter 3, very quickly. We are so out of time. Please forgive me. Verse 5. 2 Timothy chapter 3, 1 to 5. So let's do 1 to 5. So, but notice that in the last days, perilous time will do what? Will come. He said, For men will be what? Lovers of themselves. See, there is a specific, there is, there is, there is an attribute. 
of this breed of men you are going to see in the last days by reason of the times and since the peculiarities of the last days so you are going to see certain manifestations from them so they will be what lovers of themselves lovers of money boasters proud blasphemous disobedience to parents unthankful unholy verse 3 unloving unforgiving these are stronghold issues lovers of money lovers of pleasure strongholds it's a slanderous without self-control brutal despisers of good don't we see that around us these days the jealousy and the envy that comes on the basis of tribe on the basis of ethnicity did you see all the things that happened during the elections amen people who want power and they are ready to stoke serious issues of division not because those issues are supposed to be that strong am i making sense but because they see it as an access to gain power these are issues that are ravaged and sometimes those things are born out of a legitimate issue but are amplified beyond proportion amen slavery happened in america didn't it didn't it? Has it ended in America? But the issue of racism, is it still existing? Now, there are people who are profiting off that victim mentality today. And they never want the issue to be resolved. Because if it is resolved, their source of income is gone. It has a legitimate issue, but it's grown into something else. Am I making sense? Am I making sense? Some of the ethnic prejudices we have today, some of you, you've never experienced it before. But because you've heard it so much, so much, so much, it's become a what? It's become your way of thinking. You say, ah, don't, don't be fair, no more, you so how many of those are from the Eastern tribe here? Raise up your hand. New creation. New creation. Lovely people. But you see people with mindset. Say, ah, there are some landlords now, they will never take an evil person in their house. Ah, I'm evil, I'm not. In fact, they will spell it out. Say, only Yorubas, as if, may God help us. May God help us. As if you've not found worse Yorubas. You know, these are issues. Headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Verse 5. Say having a form of what godliness, but what denying its power. You say, and from such people do what, sir? Hallelujah. And if you are one of these people, repent because you can't turn away from yourself. You have to repent. There is an urgency for repentance if any of these issues are in your life. There is an urgency for repentance. That's, these are stronghold issues. These are not once in the. Uh, these are not, you know. They are not accidental issues. Am I making sense? That they are issues of, of the heart. Say lovers of money. Some people money. People do ritual. You think it's just small weakness that's causing? 
what, 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 what is the obsessive love you have for something that will make you kill a fellow human being? People who lust for power, they can do anything for... Most of the worst you see in the world today, what, is, what started it? Lust for power. Look at what's going on in Sudan. Two factions. Ego is high up there. None of them want to come out of their high horse. And they are destroying their nation. Bombing hospitals, bombing universities, all the infrastructure that they spent years to build. It's all gone now. It's all gone. It's all gone. These are dangerous tendencies that God has to rid us of. They can set the whole world on fire. Look at what's going on in Syria. Look at Afghanistan. Look at all those places. Issues of the heart. Strongholds. That is bringing catastrophic destruction. Because men are set in their ways. Say proud, slanderous. Some people pride we know that the person that is supposed to help them. You know, I, I don't like the term destiny helpers, but let's borrow it. See, you, you see, they are destiny helper. Pride will not let them. Amen. Because Christ is your only destiny helper. Amen. Hallelujah. What is stronghold? An imposing picture of fear, worry, intimidation, limitation, and unbelief that influences your behavior. There's an imposing issue of fear. And you have gained understanding from that fear. And is now controlling your life. Hallelujah. It's now what? It's controlling your life. And I said this more at the beginning. Fear has taught some people terror. They are constantly terrorized. That's the stronghold issue. Constantly terrorized. I remember when I was on campus... One sister walked up to me one day and said, I notice you always wear black. What's the problem with you? Black was simply my favorite color. Any day, any time. And, you know, and then you know when you don't have plenty shirt you, and you have black shirt, you know you wear the black shirt more. But even when it's dirty, it will not show quickly. <laughs> so I was always wearing black. Black top, black, black shirt, black. One day she came to say, Brother, is a Christian. He said, Brother, what, what's wrong with you? You're always wearing black. I said, what's wrong with black? He said, black is synonymous with money. I said, I'm not money anybody. It's a color. He said, what's the difference between white and black? He said, ah, you're being mischievous. I said, no, what is the difference? <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Because issues of fear. Imagine if that sister is the person I'm supposed to marry. You know there is work already without even starting. Is that I stop wearing black or God changer? One we have to give to, one we have to, something we have to happen. Imposing issue of fear. 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 An overload of information, upbringing that has limited us from seeing things the way God sees it. Hallelujah. Amen. <clears throat> give me Hebrews chapter 3. You can write down Matthew 6, 33 to 34. You can write down Romans 8, 15. Hebrews 10. Sorry, Hebrews 3, 10. So therefore I was angry with that generation and said, they always do what? 
go astray where so the problem was where in the heart there was a stronghold in the heart and they have not what known my ways so there is always a deviation in the heart there's always a deviation in that it says so i saw in my heart they shall not enter my rest verse 12 so beware now what was in that their heart the lord wants to tell us now hallelujah do you get the point do you get the point it said they always stray in their heart right and because of that they did not enter god's rest so god wants to show us what is in what was causing the strain they had he said beware brethren lest there be in any of you a what an evil out of what unbelief in departing from the so it was unbelief that was in their heart that was why god could not reach them unbelief was an it was an had an imposing figure in their life so every time God, no matter the hope god was speaking to them you just shake it ah no no hallelujah the human nature takes in, kicks in even when they are seeing a miracle there no there is something see this thing is when you see an this is what's there mostly it hides behind knowledge but it is a frame of the heart of unbelief because there is nothing you can tell an atheist. I have concluded there is nothing you can tell an atheist that will convince them. Nothing. Even if Jesus appeared to them like they said, I am Jesus. They will call it an apparition. They will have a name for it. It is the state of heart of unbelief. Amen. The state of heart of unbelief. Some of them are smiling. They say, we are agnostic. They say, say, even though there is God, I cannot know it, whether there is God or not. It's a heart of unbelief. There is nothing you can show them. There is nothing you can tell. If God thunders from heaven, they will say it's an echo from somewhere. Hallelujah. That's the stronghold. Hallelujah. See, but God is saying to us that we must trust him that you know this doesn't happen in our lives we must fight every stronghold of unbelief anything that makes it difficult for us to believe god if you are in a state where you are struggling to believe god there is fire on the mountain and you can deal with it remember what we said you said the weapon of our welfare are not what are not carnal. you can deal with every stronghold next week we will talk about three principal characteristics of stronghold we talk about imaginations we talk about lofty things and we talk about thought system and we talk about how to deal with each of these things and ultimately remove strongholds in our life let's rise up to our feet this morning and and just and just talk to god you know father we're asking lord that will become a conquering church we're asking lord that will become a victorious church a church that will not be satisfied with little little victories but we go on to take the promised land we're asking father in the name of jesus that you will bring the vision of the promised land you make it vivid before our eyes you make it plain before us oh god you take away blindness of the hearts you take away blindness of the heart you take away blindness of the heart you take away distractions you take away the things that distract us the things that has made us to stay too long 
in a place that we should have left since. We are asking you for grace and mercy, Lord. Just go ahead and pray.